also, I've got a couple little things I'd like to say pastorally. Um, the summer months bring on a couple challenges in the fact that the grass seems to grow faster in the summer than it does in the winter. And, um, and flowers, as beautiful as they are, grow, but beside them grow weeds. And so we've got a few things. Uh, we got two things. One is to do with outside ma maintenance and landscaping and just staying on top of things. Um, I'm asking um, um, if any of you would like to give an hour, two hours. I know Jared would often come and he'd bring his own ride on because he didn't like the fact that we gave him a push on. So he had a ride on lawnmower. Um, we have a, a self-propelling lawnmower, but we need people to help. Jared would do it. And literally every Saturday in the summertime, Pastor Daniel would come here with Kieran and with Cleo and they'd spend two or three hours cleaning the yard. So we need help just keeping the yard um, cut the grass cut we also have a need and and we're family here right and so my input and your input I'm requesting your input this morning we also need help just doing some janitorial work and what we look at is on Sunday mornings if you would be able to commit to come at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning and it would take approximately half an hour to go clean the bathrooms and maybe do some vacuuming. And if you say, hey, I, I, I can commit, but I can only commit one Sunday a month or two Sundays a month. If you could help by coming at 9 a.m., it would just relieve a little bit of pressure off of Pastor Brenda and off of Olivia to take care of those things. So um, I'm asking, and, and if you say, hey, I can do it for the next year, I can, I can commit one Sunday a month for the rest of this year till the end of December. So you don't have to do it indefinitely. If we could just, hey, for the next eight months till the end of this year, I can commit one Sunday or two Sundays. And same with the grass cutting. If you say, hey, I can commit to this much, um, we could use your help. And everybody said, amen, amen especially the landscaper and the janitor. I... I'm so thankful for Jesus. He's God with us. <laughs> Sometimes some of the simplest definitions ruin and wreck my brain. Like, God with us. I, as I think about him, um, this last year and a half, I've probably watched more super... Um, superhero movies than I've ever watched in my whole life. I mean, I my parents didn't allow us to go to movies, and um, and so I didn't watch a lot of movies when I was a kid. So in the last year and a half, I've probably watched more superhero movies than ever. And what I find amazing about the superhero movies is they're always limited. They they have this great picture of of Superman. But he's limited. He's got kryptonite. They've got another person that's limited because, and, and I find it interesting that man's version of a superhero, they, they have this picture of somebody that can come and help society, but they're limited. And what's interesting, when you really look at some of these pictures and some of the, pro 
the, the way they portray a superhero is they quite often came from somewhere else, came to earth, and they tried to rectify and to do good. Now, they have this funny idea also about good and evil that are equal. They, they think good and evil are equal. No, they're not. Good is greater than evil. Okay? They, they, they do have some flaws in their superhero plots. But what I do find is human nature is always looking for somebody to come and save us. That's human nature. If you really think about it, somehow we've become smart enough to realize we can't do it on our own. Thus, we have Superman. We have the Hulk who sometimes people refer to me as the Hulk, but I don't want to push the envelope. But we have, we have Thor. We have all these figures that Hollywood and man has created because there's a void or there's an aspect in our world and in our life that requires somebody to come and help us, to heal us, to deliver us, to save us. And what's amazing is Jesus fits all those. He checks every box. And then they get to the part, does he have any weakness? No. He's got no kryptonite. He's got nothing that, that exposes him and defeats him. He's got no, he defeats everything. And then, not only that, but he lives forever. He's still alive. Now, we're celebrating Easter next Sunday, but I, I want to take a little bit of time to celebrate Jesus today. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I, I am so thankful for him because I have found I need him. I need him. And I'm a pastor, you know, like, like I, I heard some pastors say, I get paid to be a Christian. Like, like that's what some pastors say, you know, and, and we joke about it. But, but my, my, my job, I come to read the Bible during the week. I come and I, I mean, and I know many of you who are working, you don't have that luxury to say, hey, for the next two hours, I'm just going to read the Bible and, and just hold all calls. I am, I, I'm with Jesus. I think about him. I talk with him. On a regular basis, daily, moment by moment, I'm, and and I and yet I found, I need him, even more. And I'm so thankful, that I have found that no matter how much I need him, he answers, and he's more than, what I need. So, I was thinking this week I want to celebrate Jesus. And so I just wrote down a number of I thoughts that came to me, and I do have some scriptures to make sure that, that you go home and say, okay, he used scripture today. Because, I mean, the last thing I want to do is preach a parable and, and have people get confused. So I've got some verses to share with you today. So, for instance, Hebrews chapter 12. And what I've done is some of these I've just written the chapter so that you can go and study and find the verse yourself. But there's a verse in Hebrews 12 that says, Looking unto Jesus, the author 
and the finisher of our faith. Now, this is a house of faith. This is a house of Jesus. This house, we celebrate Jesus. This morning, there was a celebration. There was, there was, there was excitement. Some people would re- refer to it as a vibe or an energy because we, 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 sometimes words just fail us. But there was something here this today. It was God. And I believe, Harry, I believe you're healed. What I find amazing, I study, uh, study some of the healings in the Bible, is sometimes just is said, be healed. I'm looking at it going, I don't need to pray for 15 minutes. I pray 15 minutes ahead of time, and then when somebody comes, I should be able just to say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. My faith completely, absolutely, totally resides and finds its place in Christ. And anything I put my faith in other than Christ robs me of what Christ has for me in that area. Anytime I substitute, if I substitute uh, finances or money to satisfy and to to take care of me, what I'm doing is I am missing out on how Jesus can take care of me. It doesn't mean I quit my job, and it doesn't mean I don't steward the finances, but he can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. In fact, he can do more with nothing than I can do with 100%. He took two loaves and five fish, a kid's meal lunch. The kid didn't pack for 5,000 people. His mom packed for him. And he had baskets left over. I love math, but I can't do that math. How can you have 12 baskets left over when you started with seven items? What I believe is found totally in Christ. Everything I need is found totally in Christ. He's my strength. He's my help. He's my comfort. Everything I need, I find, and and I've just been, I'm going, Lord, all I seem to be talking about is you. And he, he says, David, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about him. And I'm convinced, I am convinced that if we talk about him, he will draw people to him. I am convinced he's the answer. You say, what was the question? It doesn't matter. 
He's the answer. Two plus two, Jesus. Five plus two equals 12, Jesus. He is the answer. Now, yes, there's wisdom. But I'll tell you this, Jesus is also wisdom. He's not just the goosebumps. He's not just the fire falling off the tips of my finger to make people fall over. He's also the practical wisdom of God. He's the one that says, before you do something, count the cost. He is the answer. He's made it. I've shared with you sometimes I have this principle in my life called the KISS principle. Keep it simple, Stunenberg. Some people say keep it simple, stupid, but no, I say keep it simple, Stunenberg. I find I can overcomplicate things in about 30 seconds. And what I found with Jesus is he's made it real simple. Jesus. If I start there, so much happens that I can't make happen. Are you okay if I talk about Jesus today? What I'm doing when I'm doing this, I'm not doing this just, I, I'm planting seeds in all of us. Because Jesus is not just meant to be enjoyed here. He's meant to be enjoyed 168 hours of the week, which is, according to my math, again, is like 166 hours outside of this building. So we enjoy him like 70, 80 times more out there than we do in here. Can you imagine enjoying him when you have a problem that you're coming up to something and you, you, you see this problem coming and you talk to him and all of a sudden you go into the meeting or you go to see somebody or you're, you, you start and, and it's like, oh, there's a solution. Huh. I worried about that. It didn't fix the problem. I talked to him about it and the fix came. Sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes it's banging your knuckles. Sometimes it's elbow grease. Sometimes it's, but it's Jesus giving us the answer because he is the answer. Before it all began, he was already there. Genesis 1, you can look it up. That was a joke because I think we all know Genesis 1. See, now that we don't have our masks on, it's like, I'm looking for smiles because before I had no clue, but now it's like, okay, my jokes are just terrible because nobody's smiling. It's like, Lord, you are the answer. You also are my humor, so make people laugh. And he goes, no, David, you got to get better at telling jokes. Anyway, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. For him to be there in the beginning meant that he was before everything else. So anything I need, he's already seen it. He's there before. 
He's been there. He's the author of it. When you face something and you, you read a manual and you can't figure out the manual, you want to consult the author. Who wrote this manual? Because if I talk to them, they know exactly how they made this machine. He's the author. He knows exactly how he's wired us. He wired me with a sense of humor on purpose because he knew I needed to learn how to be funny and to tell jokes and to laugh. He's, John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Continues and it says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Everything I see around me is from the inspiration of the word of God that created. He's the beginning. Not only is he the beginning and the end, but he's also in the middle. I find it amazing. He's asleep in the boat in the middle of the storm. There's another time the storm comes, and before the storm gets crazy, he already rebukes it. There's times when he comes and he will rebuke something, and it will go, and there's other times when he's there with you, and he's just being with you in the middle of what it happens. He's the author and the finisher. He is from the beginning all the way to the end. And when I say the end, it never ends, because when you read in Revelation, we're going to be celebrating him and worshiping him forever. Jesus is there. Jesus is there even when I don't know it. And I'm so thankful for that. I wrote down here in, in Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. Jesus had been crucified. He rose again and some people had seen it and seen him and testified of him. And there was two disciples going to Emmaus or Emmaus. And as they were going, they were talking about what had happened and there were questions and Jesus joins them. I, I, I'm trying to picture some of these events with Jesus. He, he says, what are you guys talking about? Because they say, dude, like they talked like that in Hebrew. And they said, dude, where have you been? Don't you know what's going on? Jesus, this prophet who did, did all these amazing things, he he was crucified, and now they can't find his body. And they tell him, and then it says Jesus opened up the scriptures and showed them how this had to happen. The whole time, they had no clue it was Jesus. I love this because there have been times when I didn't know it was Jesus helping me till I got through to the end, and then all of a sudden I look back and I go, huh, he played that chess piece better than I could have. I was caught within the mire of what place to put it, and he saw the landscape view, and he goes, do this, do this, do this. And they're talking to him, and he opens up the scriptures. They get all the way to their destination. It says, and he blessed and broke the bread, and all of a sudden their eyes opened up. And then they went back, and then he disappears, which is 
like another superhero thing. Like he vanishes, a physical body vanishes. And they go back to Jerusalem to tell them everything. And, the, and they say, wasn't our heart just like, whoa. This morning in worship, my heart was like, whoa. And I recognize, because I've recognized other moments when my heart's been like, whoa, I've recognized what Jesus did, and I've had those moments where I went away and I go, I didn't know it was him, but now I do. So I started to recognize when he does, is there and he does things. But they said, man, we didn't recognize, we didn't even know it. Jacob fell asleep, had a dream about angels ascending and descending, the ladder, and he wakes up. And God speaks to him and says, listen, where you're sleeping, I'm giving this to you and your children and your grandchildren and the descendants every, and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed by you. He wakes up and he goes, wow. God was here and I didn't even know it. So not only is he there in the beginning and he's there in the end, but I would suggest to you that he's there with us every step of the way and just sometimes we don't recognize it. Now, I think that's probably okay that we don't recognize it. Because if we recognize it, we might be like Peter and say, hey, let's make an altar here. Let's make, and, and so sometimes I think God does it on purpose, I think. And we walk through something and we go, wow, huh. he's been so good to me. He stopped me from, from a business deal. He stopped me from doing this. He directed my steps to do this instead of doing what I would have liked. I didn't get a hold. Of, I made that phone call. The guy wasn't there, didn't answer my call. And after he called back, by the time he called back, I realized the solution or I realized it wasn't a fault or his problem. And, and I didn't make an idiot out of myself or I didn't make a fool out of myself saying something. Wow, Jesus, thank you for taking so good care of me. I mean, he's real practical. I love Jesus. I just love him. Because I can't do it without him. I think of the prodigal son. He asks for everything. His dad gives it to him. He wastes it all. The attitude of his dad, this is the attitude of our father. His father was looking for him a far way off. He didn't wait till he knocked on the door. His father was looking for him just, to, oh, I see him in the distance. And then if you read the story in Luke, it says that he said he gave him a robe, the best robe. Now, this might mess with us because I've always said I've been a Christian my whole life. And sometimes God messes with us and he says, you know what, that's good, but I'm so glad that my son, my daughter is home. He gave him the best robe. He gave him a ring. He says, get the fatted calf and let's have a party because my son who was gone is home. And he actually welcomed his son before his son said, Dad, would you forgive me? 
He welcomed me before I said, now the son did say, forgive me. But the attitude of the father was to welcome him immediately. I'm so glad Jesus is like that. I'm so thankful that he welcomes me even when I make a mess and I squander the resources. And then he says, no, I want to give you the robe of righteousness. I want to give you the best. He is so good. He's so good. That was Luke 15, by the way. Just in case. You don't have to read the whole book. Just go to Luke 15 and read the story. I just love Jesus. I'm just so thankful. I don't have 16 steps. I don't have an eschological. I don't have the, the uh, word and, and, and all the Hebrew and the Greek. and all. Today, I just want to talk about Jesus. Today, I just want to think about how good he is. I'll let Pastor Nelson break down the Hebrew. I'll let him explain the Greek. Take him out for coffee and have him explain it. Buy him a second cup and he'll keep going. But I just love Jesus. And I'm so thankful that he's not far, but that he's near. He's near. So this week, I want to challenge you and ask you to do something. Think about Jesus this week more than you thought about him last week. And you say, well, how? I'll give you a practical thing you can do. Don't try to think about him for four, four hours a day. Think about him for five minutes. Start, and, 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 and I would suggest you, you say, well, I've got a busy schedule. Then get up five minutes earlier. You have to fit him into your day for him to make a difference in your day. Get up five minutes earlier. Sit on your chair and read one verse and I don't care if you open up the scripture, put your finger down and read it, and then just think about how does Jesus fit into that picture. And I, I want to challenge you just to take five minutes every day. You say, well, that's a hard ask. Okay, take five minutes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then give them an hour and a half next Sunday. Well, maybe two hours next Sunday because we got something to do afterward. But the way you make Jesus part of your life is by allowing him into your life. And allow him to challenge the way you think. In other words... If you get that voice inside of you and you know it's the voice telling you to do the right thing, that's probably Jesus. It's probably the Holy Spirit. 
instead of going different channel, okay, I'll think about that. And, and what it is, is it's a conscious decision. It's an effort to allow him. And, and what I found is, is I changed my routine. And what I found when I changed my routine is I've made him a part of that change in that routine. And it has affected my day. And so I'm, I'm, I, I want to encourage you, five minutes. And you do that by carving it out. Go for a walk. In the car. On the way to work. If you say, I don't have five minutes. Well, is your commute longer than five minutes? Can you take five minutes in that commute to say, God, could you be with me today? Jesus, I need your help. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And I can guarantee you if you are prepared to do that, he will speak to you in ways that blow your mind. Because he loves to be involved in my life. He loves to be involved in your life. And I believe we can make a difference by spending time with the king. That we can make a difference in the world that we live Amen? That's, that's my sermon. Can you stand? I can. What I'd like to do is I'd like to just invoke a blessing over you today. So if you are open to it, open your arms and your hands just as a way of opening yourself up to receive and I want to speak something over you the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace have an incredible week God bless you love and appreciate you